Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey, I'm so mesmerized by the, the LED display. Um, some cool videos. Yeah. That's right. It's time for Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada. With me, Mr. Lady Ada. We're here Hello. at the Adafruit factory in downtown Manhattan. This is where we do all of our manufacturing and testing and kitting and shipping and coding and videoing and making those like cool uh, synthy sound. The, the first sound two things. videos, uh, sorry, the second two videos were some of our Halloween stuff and that's music that we made. And then we had a song um, from one of our projects in the past. I only have I for you because we had a... a yeah you know, our Halloween board. Um, but I wanted to say special thanks to uh, Mark who posted this cool eyeball video and I saw them like, I absolutely have a song that goes along with it. Yes. There's only so many songs that you can write about one eye. And uh, we did that. So uh, thanks for sharing that, Mark. This made the rounds all over the internet and the socials. I love and, that, uh, this, that Phil this B's eye code is just this every year. News. It gets re rediscovered every Halloween. Breaking news, we have an eyeball. Um, we have so many eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, but it's for the next hour, the only eye I've got is uh, for like INNPI and other yeah, that. segments that we've got kick in for the next 50-ish minutes. We're here uh, checking in on what's uh, yeah. going on in the maker community, hack community. New products, videos, it's not out yet, and more. Mr. Lady Ada, let's kick it, because we got a lot to cover. On tonight's show, the code is PROTO for PICO. You'll figure out why as we get to new products. But 10% off in the Adafruit store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time tonight, use it or lose it. These are one of the last sales of the year before we have our holiday sales and more. We'll probably run out of stuff. Now's a good time to buy a bunch of things, save 10% off on more. Adafruit Live. This is our live shows where we talk about things, including this one, show and tell. Talk about some of the folks that were on the show and tell and more. We're going to do some time traveling around the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, see what's happening in this world together with folks who share things. Chip shortage this week is TDK. It'll be fun. Some retro tech. This one's interesting. It's a new thing, but it works with an old thing. Find out about that. From the mailbag, we read your letters and more. Help wanted some jobs from the Adafruit Jobs Board some made in New York City factory footage and more from Adafruit, some 3D printing, some INNPI, and we show some new products that are actually available. Yay. And you can check these out this week. It's Amphenol. Going to do some new products. We got some top secret. We're going to answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. We can join all 35,000 of us, all that and more tonight on Ask an Engineer. Yay! Okay, so the code is Proto for Pico. They get free stuff when they put stuff in their cart. What do they get? I'm glad you asked about the free stuff because we do have freebies. When you order from Adafruit, $99 or more, you get a free Perma Proto half-sized breadboard. People love these to take their projects and make them permanent from a solderless breadboard. At $149 or more, we still have the pink PCB KB2040. It's an RP2040 microcontroller board with castellated pads. It's got RP2040 with eight megabytes of flash. UT USB-C, uh, it's great for taking pro micro projects and making them even more powerful with a mega chip. 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And 299 or more, we have our favorite round circuit board, Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. It's um, a great way to uh, learn coding and electronics with Bluetooth Low Energy Wireless built in, buttons and LEDs and alligator clips. Um, and we've got tons of projects in the learning system in both Arduino and CircuitPython for this board. And don't forget, if you're going to buy things like Raspberry Pis on our site, make sure you make an account, verify your account, and then set up two-factor authentication that helps us keep the 
scammers and the folks who buy Raspberry Pis and try to sell them for hundreds of dollars on eBay at bay. Also good security. Okay, Adafruit Live. We do a bunch of live shows every single week, including this one. We do it every week, 8 p.m. Yes. Ask an engineer. We're here. We just this finished is live up, right we now. We just finished up show and tell. I have... See, I can poke him. Yeah, we have lots of uh, favorite projects. Every project's our favorite on the show and tell. Yes. However, I try to pick one that I think folks should just look at quickly because you'll get inspired or you'll say like, wow, I had no idea. So this week, uh, Aaron stopped by and showed uh, a mermaid costume outfit um, that lights up underwater and 30 light up jellyfish that are all synchronized. We also have a guide and we have a guide coming out with how you can do um, LEDs for harsh environments. Kind of right. like, like underwater on a mermaid tail. Erin is back and she's fishier than ever. <laughs> so um, if you're interested in like what what's the state of the art for a lot of the things that we do, Erin um, is um, definitely pushing the boundaries of what you can do with NeoPixels and more uh, just about everywhere. In the air, the land, the sea, the sky, underground, under pressure. In space. Yeah, so check that out. Volcanoes. On Sundays, we do from the Desk of Lady, and it's in two parts. The first part, we showed off a bunch of cowbells. Yes. Um, oh, I wanted to show, audio. yeah, the, the proto uh, cowbell, which we're showing off. I, I did a longer demo where I showed it connected to Adafruit I.O. with the sensor and using the reset button, so it was a kind of a nice full test of the functionality of the Pi cowbell. And then I also showed uh, an IR emitter board that will be coming to the shop soon, a prototype that we yeah. made. Then for the great search, that's when we go to digikey.com and we try to find, we, try, we find things that people say, hey, I, I need help finding stuff. Yes. So what did you do this week? Well, for this week, um, so I showed off this infrared transmitter and I wanted to find the brightest right angle SMT LED that was like a reasonable price. Um, so I showed how to use the DigiKey search um, to find uh, find out the brightness of the LED by using like the lumen flux. Um, the specifications that you want to look for with IR LEDs like the nanometer wavelength, um, the beam spread, and um, also right angle versus flat versus reverse mount um, LEDs. But we found a really good option and it turned out to be the one in the prototype and it's very bright. All right, and then on Tuesdays, we do GP's product pick of the week. Here is this week's highlight. It is the NRF52840 sensor board. This is also known as the LED glasses board because it was originally released to drive our LED glasses. This is an incredibly cool dev board for all kinds of wearable projects and remote projects. It has Bluetooth, BLE capability. You can use that for things like Bluetooth MIDI, Bluetooth HID. It has an accelerometer on it, so you can do tilt kind of stuff. I've got my little phone there that's listening over Bluetooth to what I'm doing with this neat little package. I've got a little LiPo battery under there. I am using the accelerometer, and that's actually turning one of the knobs. Listen to it as I move the fader. Little add-ons we want using I squared C, and you can chain them so you can have a bunch of stuff. I thought this was really cool to consider this board as just a dev board and not worry about the glasses part of it. NRF52840 sensor board, aka LED glasses board. And tomorrow's JP's workshop, tune into that and more. And then Friday's deep dive with Tim, where you can learn about all the innards of Circuit Python and more. Time travel. We're working on a time travel song. It'll be done soon. Um, 
let's first uh, just give you an update. With Aidbox, there is no update. However, we will have an update towards the end of the month. If we can get 5,000-ish of something, um, then there's a chance we can ship an Aidbox. But getting 5,000 of something at a time is not really easy. Um, we have heard from chip manufacturers, and they said, yeah, we're really disheartened that um, there's no chips. So um, we're like, too. I'm like, imagine how we feel. So um, the the engineers at a lot of these companies, they shall remain nameless. They're like, oh, we really, uh, you know, we're shaking the tree internally. We're trying to get some out to Adafruit. But um, chips don't grow on trees, though. They don't. So um, we'll see. Uh, what's most likely going to happen is we'll probably say, hey, we're going to be back in 2023 because we'll definitely be able to do an Adabox. And I think more things will catch up. Um, early next year. It's probably what we're going to do, but don't worry, we don't charge until we ship. Um, we'll probably uh, do an email. We don't like to send emails out to people unless there's something they can do. You can always cancel, but we have a few thousand people waiting, so just keep that in mind. If you do cancel, you might not be able to get back on when we are shipping, and we do foresee a bunch of shipping coming up soon. Okay, um, on our website, uh, it's Electronic Halloween time, so do check out all of the posts, all of the things that we have. Um, we have gift guides, all the stuff that we do every single year. Pretty much every day of the year is Halloween here at Adafruit, but we can kind of just be ourselves um, for you know the month of October. Uh, and then um, Philby is working on this. This is uh, the really neat like LED drippy blood. Yeah, this is technique. cool. Isn't that neat? So I just wanted to show some some Halloweeny stuff. And he's been blogging about um, the updates, so check out the Adafruit blog to yeah. get. Yeah, uh, it's really neat. You know the process. You know it's like the, there's a lot of details and effort that uh, Phil B knows a lot about with costuming and LEDs. So yeah. especially if you are going to embed electronics into your um, Halloween costume or Burning Man costume or what have you, um, Aaron and Phil B are the both. They're like the experts. There's, there ain't no better. Um, and then today, Lady Ada was a speaker at Espressive DevCon. Um, and uh, on, if you just search for Espressive DevCon on YouTube, you can see the entire um, day. Um, there were some great segments, great topics, um, lots of folks we knew from the community. Uh, Lady Ada was in the chat answering questions. Um, this is just a speed up. It was, it was a half an hour. It wasn't this fast. Yes, it was and, just fast. <laughs> and, I, had, uh, I had like a lot of coffee. Yeah, and uh, we were showing some hardware, talking about Python on hardware and the ESP devices. And then um, some folks said some really nice uh, comments uh, about how easy it is to use CircuitPython. CircuitPython is really joyful. Very joyful is a good way to describe it. And just getting up, able to do the things you want to do fast right away. And if you make it for one processor, it works on all the others too. Okay, we have an Adafruit I.O. update this week. Um, big news, um, folks always say, oh, Adafruit IO is great, it's free, but how can I pay you if I want to do other stuff? Well, we have other things you can do if you're a plus uh, person. Yes. Um, so for Adafruit IO Plus, you can do things like send SMSs, you can schedule them. So imagine if you want to do a project where you're like, if the temperature gets to a certain point, I want to get an SMS, and those cost money, so we're not charging for those, but if you have, if, if you have a Adafruit IO Plus account, you get, I think, like 25 or something like that. A day. Um, 25 a day. Yeah. So, and it's UTC time. For so, UTC day, yeah. Yeah, so do check that out. Um, it's really neat. We think a lot of people are going to use it. It's something that, you know, I just want to get a SMS when, or text message when, my basement starts to flood or when I leave my garage door open. This is that easy, and it's in the uh, low code, no code, easy to code 
uh, category. And speaking of congratulations, we have 1,000 devices on Whippersnapper. Whippersnappers are no code way to get your IoT devices doing all sorts of stuff. Um, this is our first milestone. And uh, we expect there's going to be thousands and thousands of more. So do check it out on Adafruit.io. It's free to use. It's in beta. And then we also have a gift guide already for if you want to do stuff with Adafruit.io and Whippersnapper, here's all the devices. Well, because we have, yeah, there's some sensors that we have supported and some we don't. So, um, and there's going to be another sensor supported um, starting next week, which uh, people I think are going to really like. It's definitely, this is the only no code iot system that i know supports this very popular temperature sensor oh boy all right um, you're gonna love it it's ship shortage time All right, this Simple week favorite. it is from TDK. TDK. It's actually sti- not from TDK. It's actually not coming from TDK, <laughs> which stands for too darn out of stock, but that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's an in Vincent's. They, they in, bought in Vincent's. them. Vincent's. Yeah, 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 it's a sub-brand. Um, this is the MPU6050. Now, you might be saying, dude, the MPU6050 is uh, you know not recommended for new designs. Um, and our and our ND, but uh, here's the deal: it's still used in a ton of stuff. People really, really love the six-off sensor. And look, the, the replacement's also not available. So don't don't give me that NRND thing. What and do we use it for? We use it for a breakout, but a lot of people use it for their robots and their drones. It's like the most popular. Right. Six DOF IMU. Um, it used to be very inexpensive, and you know now brokers are trying to sell it for like ten times the cost. Um, but we do love the MPU 6050, and we would we would love to have this back in stock, TDK. So maybe you can send us a reel, or you can send DigiKey a reel, and they'll send it to us. They could send some to us and some to others. We can, I mean, but mostly to us. That would be great. You know, we mm. would love to have this chip. Um, yeah. yeah it's not, no, there's no even lead time. I don't. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know in a year they came back and said, "Hey, we're never making it again." This is this has happened to a bunch of underlying. This chips. is another. But I hope they don't. This is another example. Like if you just tell us what's going on. People really like this chip. Just say, "Hey, look, like we're just not going to make this anymore," or just like, "Oh yeah, like it's used for like this other thing that you're never like we gave them all to someone else." Like, yeah, any information because like right now it's just like, "Well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What no, do we no. do?" So that's our chip shortage for this week. Uh, we ordered 10,000 in May of 2022, and the ETA is May of 2023. And we saw through. You know, we got we got a couple yeah. reels in 2021 that we had ordered earlier that year. We got them, and we, we shipped them all out. So we're yeah. out again, and we're not going to get any for another year-ish, maybe. So that's... The May 2023 is a guess, too. I'm, again, I'm not... I don't know for sure we're going to get it. But I'd like to get some earlier. This week's chip mm-hmm. shortage. Please. Thank you.
All right, this week's mailbag, it was sent in from Doug. Thank you, Doug. It's got my MagTag up and running, and it's the coolest little device ever. It's going to make a great little weather station console for the bedroom. I have related project where I'm using a Metro ESP32-S2 as an MQTT subscriber to display real-time data on LED backpacks data from a Davis weather station. I'm old when the cool kids like me got Radio Shack size for kids' birthday gifts, but Adafruit stuff makes me feel like a kid again. I promise if I ever win the Powerball, I'll make a sizable donation to your R&D. Also, please make a giant mag tag so I can make a custom weather display I that know. I can read from across the room. I want to make one. Doug. Alright. I hope to make one soon. Okay. This week, we have some retro tech. This one's a little different because it's not exactly old, but it works with things that are old. So here it is. Um, a long time ago, back in the 70s, this was a, I guess, one of the first versions of crowdsourcing ideas from Sony. It's a little truck that you put on a record, and it spins around the record. Record stays still. Truck drives around, and it plays what's on the record. And uh, this is uh, the statement on the website of the, from the folks who make a modern one now. And it says, instead of a stationary needle, the new moves around the surface of a stationary record. Record player with a built-in speakers. It's developed for promotional use only, and it was first displayed as part of an exhibited internal Sony idea contest established to encourage all employees to adapt unconventional thinking. Came complete with both motor, enabling the car to run around the surface and a uh, of the record and a cartridge and just undercarriage to ensure the needle remain within the groove. So um, there's a, a company in Japan that makes the record runner, and you can get this. And it's officially licensed. This is really officially licensed from VW. They did all the right things. And uh, it, even it looks like a, a VW, car. Like, it looks like a, you know the little van. But then the secrets underneath. That's the needle and you put the batteries in yeah and uh, we have our own record here at Adafruit so we decided well and let's you, make sure it works you tried it out and we tried it out That's retro. And of course, a warning probably only use it on records that you don't care about. Um, if you were record you cared about, you wouldn't put it flat on table, anyways. Yeah, or put a car on it. All right, help on it. We have some ideas for some songs for this, too. Okay, you can go to jobs at adafruit.com and you can post a job if you're a company or if you're a person who has skills and you want to pay the bills, you can do this. This is a technical customer service representative remote slash email and uh this job is kind of neat it's uh for lego builder yeah it's a lego builder and uh it basically s someone who can make stuff uh who has a technical background so uh there's brickstuff.com you can check out the website um, but also uh, check out this job listing. If this is something that um, you know you consider yourself oh. a Lego fan, you can get a job. This is like the ultimate job for someone building Legos. Yeah. All right, moving right along. It's Python on hardware time. Exciting news this it's, week. It's exciting. So you did the um, 
you know, we talked what about is this the earlier. Thing, this yeah. is the expressive thing. Um, that's now online. Uh, check it out. There's a lot of good sessions as well. Um, but we're up to the second beta of CircuitPython 8. What, yes. What is in it and why should people go try it out? The big deal that's new in um, beta 2 is we now have PicoW support with Wi-Fi in CircuitPython. SSL, sockets, TCP, UDP, requests, Adafruit IO, um, we got our Azure library working as well. It's it's all pretty much working and it, it acts like you know native um, Wi-Fi socket pool. And uh, it's great for people who have a Pico W, you wanna use um, you know, our mass storage or USB or HID or MIDI capabilities, you wanna use all of our 300 libraries that we've got. Um, you can now very easily use CircuitPython with Wi-Fi and the Pico W, it's very fast. Works great, only warning is um, in order to fit SSL, we have to shrink the partition. So if you have an old Pico W, save your files because when you program it with beta two, it'll reformat the disk. But you probably weren't using a Pico W with Raspberry Pi, it's with a Raspberry Pi Pico W with CircuitPython because we didn't have Wi-Fi until now. So, um, but this is the first time it's released. It seems to be working. If people are trying it out, something doesn't work, please open up an issue on GitHub. Uh, big ups to Jepler who um, slowly but surely made uh, way through porting the MicroPython library to CircuitPython and making it work seamlessly within yeah. our uh, socket pool system. And uh, this is our launch poster and we got permission with Espressive and good timing because today was the talk that you did with CircuitPython yes. on ESP32. Um, you could check out the Python developer survey if you want things inside of Python that maybe works for devices or just regular old Python. Um, this is kind of neat, just speaking of Wi-Fi stuff. Um, you can pull news headlines with the Pico W and CircuitPython. Uh, Less over at Tom's Hardware used uh, Pico W with CircuitPython and was Requests able to display this stuff. JSON is like amazing. It's like so much fun to do IoT projects. Um, the huge amount of memory that the Pico W has uh, means that you can read chunky JSON files, parse it out, get the data. It's like so fun and joyful to yeah. use. That's what people are saying. It's joyful. Um, we'll talk about some cowbells very soon. You can bong, bong, bong. Um, and uh, we were looking for some testers who were trying to help get the word out um, from River. This is an online CircuitPython IDE, so check it out. Yeah. You can look in the newsletter. And of course, there is tons of streams, projects. tons of projects, projects. unending. Projects. Um, you can also, like Ooh, I said, terrain map. That yeah. Uh, you could also check out uh, the entire day of Espressive DevCon. Um, it's their first event. They did a really good job with it. They used StreamYard. Like, I'm noticing a trend with like how people are starting yeah. to do developer events. They did a really good job. Um, today was day one. And it only took us two and a half years to get good at remote uh, event streaming. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's the Python on hardware news. This week, you can, of course, get this delivered to your inbox every single week. Head on over to adafruitdaily.com. That's where you subscribe there. We don't do anything with your store account. Completely separate, completely separate website. That is this week's Python on Hardware.
All right, we're an open source hardware company. It's open source hardware month. We have 2,750 guides on learn.adafruit.com. Lady Ada, what's on the big board? We had a lot of this guides week. this week. Um, okay, first up, if you do download um, CircuitPython 8.0.0 beta 2 or later, and you're like, okay, I got a Pico W one, I want just like, just give me the code. I want to get started immediately. Liz wrote an awesome guide that has like six pages of every set up, start out, and then like a bunch of really common examples that people want to do with the Pico W. Um, I found it trivial to get up and running. I was, I got my demos going in like five minutes. Uh, so check it out, it's, it's excellent and um, should make your IoT project a breeze with the Pico W, uh, which we've been putting in stock. So if you want one, uh, sign up at adafruit.com. We, we are putting in a bunch every day now. We're, we're trying to get through the, <laughs> the backlog. Um, we also have another uh, big announcement. The user pages for the Adafruit Learning System is finally ready and available. So what are user pages? Well, the yeah. Adafruit Learning System- It's beta. System, it's beta. Gotta it's tell beta. you it's beta, we, it's, yeah. But so. we have um, you know, guides that we curate, we write, you know, the guides that I'm talking about now. And um, you know, one of the things that's important to us is to make sure that the guides we have for our products and projects are up to this, the Adafruit standard. We wanna make sure they're well documented, that the photos are really good, that the code is open source, that we're using only permissive, the only things we have permission to use, um, except when we're like being really naughty. But user pages are where you, somebody who has an Adafruit account can make pages, tutorials, documentation that is not visible on the front page, but you can link to it is publicly available. You can send people to your page. So you have wish lists, you have uh, tutorials or hacks so that you want to show Here's off. one I made real fast. So um, this just means anyone in the world can use the same authoring system our authors use. And it is super easy. You can put products in, you can put videos in. The um, media, and yeah, you can have the, embedded code and, and, and gist. Let, let me just say the thing that, you know, there's a lot of sites out there that are like, oh, give us your content. They put ads around it, we don't do that. Um, this is your content. And the other thing is a, you, you know, you can't, you have to have a sign in for others to see it. We don't do that. Yeah. So this is for you to have your own little spot, space in the world little, like, for, zone, you know, yeah. try documentation. Also, what we want to do is there's folks that maybe they're just getting started with their electronics career. Maybe they're just starting to learn how to code, but they want to do documentation. They want to write guides. Maybe they want to work for Adafruit one day. This is a really great spot. You could put your own electronics portfolio there. So this is just us trying to figure out ways that people can kind of share and we, what we think is one of the best tools out there. Um, so please, please, please check it out. It's beta. Um, there's um, like it released this week. Yeah, so, there's yeah. A, there's a there's a button on the pages. And you can also use the forums or supportedatafruit.com if you notice anything that needs a fix in. Yeah, but we're working on what it. What else? And it, well, the thing is, because we had to lock it down. It's a lockdown version of what we have as the back end an editor. So. There's still a bit more work to do, but um, hey, it's this is pretty cool and amazing that there is now a way that people can share um, and make pages on Learn that you know yeah. use the powerful editor we've had for like almost 10 years now, um, but you don't have to go through the moderation process that we do for normal guides. Liz also wrote a guide on the PCA 9548, 8-channel STEMIQT, uh, quick I2C um, expander, Great if you have you know a bunch of a sensor that uses the same I squared C address, but you don't want to, um, you know, you can't change the address like they're fixed addresses, but you still need to have multiple ones connected. Liz wrote a great guide on a laser harp that used distance sensors. Um, the laser part was a bit of a hack; it wasn't truly a laser. I mean, the laser was visually there, but it was done with distance sensors. 
And the way she did it was using a um, TCA 9548. So uh, she was an expert at using this breakout. We also have, uh, from Known Pedro, I'll show the video, the no-code IoT soil sensor with all sorts of sensors and uh, um, devices attached to it. And it's like a cool 3D print case. Um, Liz also updated <coughs> the TCA9548 breakout. It never had CircuitPython example code. So when she did the QT version, she went back and she like added it to this one. Um, Melissa uh, did a bunch of work on the TensorFlow Lite guide for Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can run TensorFlow Lite out of Raspberry Pi 4 if you have two, four, eight uh, gigabytes of RAM. Um, but with, not Buster, but whatever, Bumblebee, I can't remember the name of like the current. Flapjack. Flapjack. <laughs> the latest version of the Raspberry Pi OS, which um, I'm, it's escaping me, um, and 64-bit. Ice Cream Popsicle. Ice Cream Popsicle <laughs> has, I know they always named after like otters. Um, it has uh, the latest version of TensorFlow Lite. It's a little bit slightly different to configure, and the, the Pi camera V2 uh, was not quite ready for use yet either. But finally, everything started working, and so if you're using 64-bit OS, no, Buster, that was it. Or did I say, no, it's not Buster. I don't remember. I think it's whatever. Anyways, the latest Raspberry Pi has this video. Bullseye. That's it. See, it starts with B. Thank you. Thank you, chat. Why would I remember this? I don't know. And like, well, so why isn't it alphabetically incrementing? I don't understand some of these things. It used to be alphabetically incrementing. So I gotta keep you guessing. It would be like ice cream sandwich, and then it would be like. Keep you on your toes. J for jellyfish. I don't know. I I don't understand naming of Linux distributions anymore. Um, anyways, check out that guide. And then Liz uh, also did a project for um, using PyLeap and Foglider on the clue board so you wirelessly program it and using the onboard barometric pressure sensor to make your own barometer that tells you what the weather is going to be the next day bungie does alphabet but debian does uh pixar names okay but like when to <laughs> this is reminds Just so me, you know this reminds me of when like the xbs2 came out and they were like the you know xb2 and i'm like the xb2 is totally not the upgrade to the S1. It's a totally separate, non-upgrade version. Like, most people prefer the S1. Wow. I haven't thought about XBs in a long time. I know, right? Like, I brought that out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Palette cleanser, factory footage.
advanced manufacturing made New York City factory footage. That's here. That's behind us. Yes. That picking place is like 10 feet away. It's true. 3D printing. Okay, we have two videos. We're going to play them back to back. And Pedro stopped by the show until this evening, so you'll see the expanded versions of these projects and more we'll see on the other side. You can build your own IoT garden using Adafruit.io and Whippersnapper. This can help you keep track of your plants by logging data such as temperature and humidity. Our sensor node features a batch of Stemma breakouts that keep track of the air quality and humidity of the soil. All of the electronics are housed in a 3D printed enclosure that's also water resistant. This is powered by the CutiePie ESP32-S2 running Whippersnapper, Adafruit's no-code solution to IoT projects. Just stick this in the soil to monitor how wet or dry it is and log that data in a custom dashboard. The Adafruit Stemma soil sensor features capacitive measurements so it won't oxidize over time so you can reliably monitor the health of your plants. With Whippersnapper, you can create a beautiful dashboard with gauges and charts so you can visually monitor the health of your garden. Setting up your Stemma sensors is really simple and easy with Whippersnapper's built-in support for I2C devices. It's free to get started, just head over to io.adafruit.com. All of the breakouts are daisy-chained together, making this a solder-free project. Links to all the parts are in the description. To build the SnapFit enclosure, you'll need to 3D print the parts in your favorite filament. We made a special case for the Stemma soil sensor to keep the circuitry nice and dry. The two halves snap fit together and feature slots for ventilation. Check out the learn guide for a full step-by-step -step tutorial on building the case and setting up your dashboard. This 6600 milliamp LiPo battery is placed at the bottom of the case and will provide many hours of data logging. The CutiePie is press fitted into the mount and secured in place with these little built-in clips. The Stemma QT breakouts feature mounting holes so they can be secured with hardware screws. The SCD30 air quality sensor can be mounted to the bottom making this a compact modular circuit sandwich. To monitor power usage, we're using an additional LiPo battery monitor so we can be notified when it's time to recharge. This USB-C connector is wired up to a JST cable so we can easily power the CutiePie from the battery monitor. Now we can connect all the Stemma breakouts together and start logging some data. We hope this inspires you to check out Adafruit's Whippersnapper to start building your own IoT projects. Alright, and you can hang out with Noah Pedro every single Wednesday and learn how to make all this stuff and more. 
All right, before we go over to Ion MPI, don't forget it is Proto4Pico. That is the discount code, and you get a variety of free things when you load up your cart. Don't forget about that, too. Here we go. All right, this week's INPI. It's Amphenol. It's from Amphenol Advanced Sensors. We um, we we featured them like two years ago for their infrared temperature sensors, and uh, this week we're, we're I'm sliding over slightly, and I'm going to talk about um, a CO2 sensor that they just released. I saw it on Digikey.com/new. It is the T6793. There's two versions. There's the 2K and the 5K ppm module it's a beautiful gold sensor this is a ndir uh, co2 sensor um, very handy and very timely it's a good time to release ndir co2 sensors why is that oh sorry here's the the details about it um, you can see it next to a pencil it's very compact uh very small i think tel air is the sub brand um, that makes this and it's a nicely calibrated co2 sensor um, with a lot of different output modes which is kind of neat CO2, it's everywhere. It's in everything we breathe. We um, like to exhale CO2 and inhale oxygen and plants do the opposite. We live on this planet. Um, CO2 levels have been going up a little bit uh, over time, which is uh, you know, one of the uh, issues we have with uh, climate change in, on this planet. So monitoring CO2 is something that scientists do a lot. Um, but recently, in the last couple of years, more people care about CO2 because it's an excellent way to um, determine the ventilation of uh, indoor spaces. You know, outside air is uh, 400 ppm, basically. And indoor, you know, it starts at 400 if you have the windows open, but if the windows are closed and you're breathing and there's a lot of people and you're in a classroom and there's not a lot of, you know, um, outside air circulation because there's no ventilation, um, CO2 level will start to rise, rise, rise. Uh, so, you know, we've made projects with CO2 monitors like this one Carter did, um, which is, you know, got this adorable cabin and some trees in the background, showing that the indoor CO2 level is 782. As long as it's under 1,000, you're pretty good to go. Um, you know, we had one developer uh, who was working on a CO2 project and they were showing off their readings and it was like 2,000. Plus, and I was like, hey, you know, like, you want to open the window. And I think um, DigiKey also came by. They built their project and they're like, wow, the basement needs more ventilation. So it, it's good to know because it can make you a little drowsy, um, as well as it means that there might not be enough air circulation if you want to reduce, uh, you know, uh, flu or COVID um, transmission um, because there's just not enough air circulation to keep the air moving around. Um, we have sensors in the store like this ENS 160, um, and they're a lot less expensive, uh, you know, the, the effective CO2 sensors. But um, these, I just want to, you know, make sure people know that there's two kinds of sensors for CO2. There's like true NDIR CO2 sensors, which are kind of expensive. They're like 50 bucks plus. And then there's the effective CO2 sensors. And this, you know, if it says eCO2, what it means is it's actually a sensor that uses uh, MOX, volatile organic compound sensing elements. It's a resistive, it's a doped uh, material that when volatile organic compounds um, are you know, nearby, it changes the resistance and you can tell if there's um, gases uh, you've, or volatile organic compounds, so like ethanols and stuff. 
And, you know, by measuring that, you can sort of kind of use it to estimate uh, air quality and um, the effect of CO2. So here you see this eCO2 um, reading of about, you know, 700 ppm, which is, again, if we're indoors, it's, that's about right. The only thing is this isn't a true CO2 sensor. It's, again, it's estimating it based on um, overall volatile organic compounds in the air. Whereas um, this sensor, uh, the T6793, is a true NDIR uh, infrared sensor. It uses um, how IR light is affected by CO2 concentration. It's calibrated uh, to give you a really good precision, accurate reading. Um, so this one, it has you know really good uh, temperature dependence and accuracy, plus or minus 45 ppm, plus 3% of reading, which is really great. You can always calibrate it to be even better. There's a built-in algorithm that if this is being used for outdoor reading or um, readings indoor where there will eventually that you know have an open window so that the um, minimal CO2 ppm is 400, it will like recalibrate because it does drift a little bit over time. Um, the module is quite small, shown on the overhead, which I really like. And um, there's a lot of interfaces, which I thought was kind of like the powerful, the, the, the size and the interface is what kind of sets this module apart, as well as, of course, the accuracy. Um, so it has a six pin uh, IO header. Um, you can see uh, there's a typo, I think it's the once it's TXSDA, I think it's RXSCL. So there's uh, power and ground, which you want to give it five volts, which is not uncommon. You need, you know, 200 milliamps for the sensor peak, about 100 um, average. There's control test, PWM output, UART output, um, and I squared C output. Oh, and sorry, can you uh, just get out of order? Okay. So the first step that I thought was interesting was PWM. So there's two modes of PWM. There's a one kilohertz, and I think there's like a 10 kilohertz version. Um, which I think was, thought was really neat. So if you have a sensor that doesn't have an analog input, maybe doesn't even have I squared C, but it can read PWM pulse widths, you can use that. Um, it'll always go low for two milliseconds, high for two milliseconds, and then um, you can calculate the PPM based on the PWM width. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, you know, I don't have any sensors offhand. I don't have any microphones offhand that don't have UART or I squared C, but do have PWM, but you know, if you're dealing with, um, there's some legacy systems that use old style sensors, uh, this can be used in those places. Uh, sorry. Yeah, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, 11, this is, 11, I, 11. yeah, then we'll go back. So yeah. I squared C. So this is, um, you know, my favorite interface. So you can use, uh, you know, Modbus I squared C registers. You, you write addresses and then you can read uh, versions. So the firmware, the PPM. Um, reset device. So you know, basic stuff. Uh, the ABC logic enable disable. That's the um, auto calibration based on if it's outdoor enough to, or getting low enough measurements, it'll eventually reach 400 uh, ppm. Uh, you can measure on demand for lower current, or you can, of course, have it be in continuous mode and get measurements every five seconds. So you know, I like I squared C, but that's the second option. And then. Um, the third option is UART, and they also have RS-485 transceiver support, which I thought was like really smart because a lot of people do want to have the sensor far away. They want to use RS-485 um, to do, you know, a differential um, signal from far away. I squared C doesn't work for far away. I wouldn't use PWM for long distance, but 485, you know, yeah, why not? As long as you give it good power. So um, plain UART, I think 9600 baud or RS-485. So that's 
that's all good. So again, most CO2 sensors don't have all those options. They have maybe one or two. Um, I like that there is uh, on this one, there's you know four or five different ways you can connect to it. There is some code that I found on GitHub. It's a little old, it's for earlier versions, but I think the register maps are the same. Um, using I squared C for uh, their sensor. That said, you know, the protocol is pretty simple. I think, you know, you would read this code, you'd look at the data sheet, the app note um, with the I squared C instructions, and, you, and they have example pseudocode in the app note for I squared C as well. So that's the sensor. So I thought it was available on DigiKey. It's in stock. It's one of those things that you can actually get at the time of this printing. By printing, I mean screenshot and sending photons. Um, there is 999 in stock. Yes, so maybe we can show it on the overhead because I want to show. It's much smaller than I expected. I really thought yeah. that this would be larger. A lot of CO2 sensors are quite big. That looks gigantic on the screen. It looks, what's well, a really good photo. It's like, ooh, golden. But it's actually, yeah. uh, you know, very tiny. Um, it's like a miniature satellite. Yeah, and then this is the, the IO, and then this is a little my controller that does the readings and interfacing for you. Um, but it's a very cute little sensor, and I like that, you know, it's... Um, through a hole and there's, you know, um, you can put uh, headers on both sides. So you can just have it plug into your system because these only last, they're not meant to last more than, you know, maybe five, 10, 15 years before maybe they have to be pulled or, you know, they can get contaminated, um, especially if they're in a, in a caustic environment. Uh, so they're easy to replace. And that is this week's INMPI. Okie dokie, before we get off new products, code is proto for Pico, and you'll find out why very soon, because it is new product time. New, new, new. Yeah. 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 Let's sing it. You can sing it. Oh, no, 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 We've got a bunch of little QSPY breakout boards. So, you know, when I'm working on dev boards or my controller, CircuitPython, or even actually little embedded Linux boards, um, QSPY flash memory is often used when you want like two to 16 megabytes of data. Um, these chips only come in SOIC and I'm always like, ah, oh, I just want to like wire it up and like, I don't want to have to hot air, you know, the chips on and off. Um, also, there's some projects that used to use the dip versions of these chips, which have been discontinued. Uh, so I thought I'd make a little breakout, you know, just for each one of these chips. The 16, um, which is eight, 16 megabit, 2 megabyte. We also have the 64, which is 64 megabit, we'll 8 megabyte. These. And then finally, the 128 megabit, which is 16 megabytes. So these are all, it's the same. Oh, wait, wait, go back. Whoa. Sorry, you, back up, back it up. I meant to do that. Back it up. Back I, meant, I meant to do that, I swear. Okay, that's fine. All right, yeah, so, stop so these here. are the three. There's three. There's 16, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 16, 64, and 128 megabit. Okay, that's so where my mistake So each one of these is, that's fine. It's the 24, it's the 24Q, uh, you know, XXX, JV, JVI, JVISSQ. Basically, it's the quad version, the QSPI version of these chips. You can use it in non-quad so single channel or dual channel SPI. However, 
just because I tried this and then realized it didn't work, the quad enable bit is permanently set. You, so you, first off, you don't have to set it, yay, because most people don't want to have to set it. Um, but you also can't disable it. So that hold and white protect pins that would normally be there for SPI mode don't function. You, it, it's really meant for quad SPI only, although you can use it in plain SPI mode. It's also only three volt. It's just a basic little breakout, but for a couple bucks, basically I was just tired of soldering these two breakout boards. So um, for people who want to use these in CircuitPython, for Embedlinux, for MicroPython, or you can use our, our Arduino SPI Flash library um, to interface with these and you can use them as a like mass storage. They're just really inexpensive. And if you just, if you don't need a full SD card, you just need like two to 16 megabytes these work really well and they're very simple and they're now dip like they're they're aligned now with the dip size they're 0.3 inches 0.1 inch spacing so if you want to use them in a breadboard or in a, a board that has a uh, eight dip socket this will fit just fine we give you some header as well okay uh next up okay next up we got ahead of ourselves so if you're using stem qt and who isn't nowadays i mean it's like so hot it's all the fashion um stemqt and quick and all of the similar i squared c pluggable devices um are really popular they're chainable they're super fun but there is one thing which uh, i always have to warn people about which is that if you have something like a metro mini um, v2 or an arduino or any other older microcontroller system that has five volt power and five volt logic you will want to um, do a I squared C level shifting and power shifting to make sure that you don't blast five volts into your three volt sensor or device. Like this HT20 actually happens to be five volt compatible, but you know, if you're using a BME 280 or if you're using the ENS 160 or you're using, um, you know, any other sensor or device, almost all chips that are on I squared C are three volt logic only. And uh, if you put five volts into them, you could damage them. And so this logic level shifter is something, you can see the arrows, it takes five volts and it gives you a regulated output. It has a 500 milliamp three volt regulator and a five volt to three volt logic level shifter. Uh, so, you know, you can take five volts from your Uno or from your old ST board or your pick basic or whatever, whatever you've got that's five volts and it gives you a clean three volt output. It also gives you breakout boards for pins for five volts and three volt logic and um, power. So if you want to use this on a breadboard, it's also kind of like an adapter, but for Adafruit boards, to be honest, all of our boards are three volt or five volt compatible, but there are a lot of other people making boards like the SparkFun Quick, which is the originator of the standard and other companies, they may not make them um, five volt compatible. And I just want to make sure people who are still using Unos and there's a lot of them um, can safely take advantage of this plug and play system without, you know, causing damage to their uh, sensor devices. Okay, the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lydia, our community, our customers, our team, and all of the gold plated diamonds out there, is more cowbell. Yay! I could have used a little more cowbell. <laughs> That's right. We're about to kick off so many cowbells that it is cowbell, cowbell, cowbell. That's why we... Uh, You're going to say... What? I got to have more cowbell. 
Actually, you won't say that because you'll be... I need more be, cowbell. You're going to okay, be tired so of what's, what's the first cowbell? Okay. So the first cowbell, uh, I mean, I always start with a prototyping board because that's how I actually prototype the other cowbells. Um, so especially for the Pico W, um, if you want to do IoT projects and you want to use our Stemma QT um, sensors, or if you want to just easily reset your board, this is a little prototyping board. It's very inexpensive. Um, it's designed to just be like a little throwaway. You can solder headers onto it, plug in your Pico, and it gives you a prototyping area. And I'll talk about, and I'll point out all the prototyping area stuff. And then it also gives you a uh, Stemma QT and a reset button. So it's like kind of like a handy beginner getting your project started, but you don't need any, you don't need a lot of comp complicated extras um, on your board. So let's go to the overhead because this one, I gotta, I gotta explain how this works. So the Pico, actually a lot of times people either have it with uh, headers attached or they solder on headers. Um, so that when you get the proto cowbell, it does not come with headers. And the reason it doesn't come with headers is because you can configure it in so many different ways. You can plug in um, these skinny sockets if you want it to be super slim. You can put in these stacking headers, which I recommend, or you could put in these socket headers. And like, we don't want to assume which one you want. Personally, I like the stacking the most because it means you can then, you know, plug it into a breadboard like so, and then you plug in um, the Pico on top and you have a little bit of space over here. What does um, Christopher Walken say? I need more cowbell. All right, well, we'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> Um, so there's a plenty of space you can solder in components, you know, capacitors, connectors, whatever you need to. There's an edge mount reset button. So reset button is not built into the Raspberry Pi Pico, but it's very handy, especially if you want to go into bootloader mode by holding down the boot select and resetting, or if you just want to reset your board. So there's a little edge launch reset. Um, so you don't have to unplug and replug your Pico to, uh, you know, load CircuitPython. And then on the other end, We've got a Stemma QT connector. So it's got a uh, three volt power um, ground clock and data. And the clock and data are connected to pins IO four and five. That's because it's the default Phil Hauer Arduino core wire I squared C interface. Um, if you're using MicroPython or CircuitPython, you'll just want to pass in four and five as the initializers for the I squared C connection. Um, so uh, all the grounds are the square, you know, white rectangular, because you know there's a lot, there's a lot of ground pins, and then this is the ground pad. Every pin has a duplicate, so you know every though like this is, uh, you know, IO thirteen, and there's you know this is what connects to um, the Pico, and then the pad next to it is you can jumper it. So every pin has like a little twin sister next to it, so you can jumper to it, and then. The three volt line is the only one that has, it's extended out and this is all three volt because you'll probably need a lot of three volt power. And the rest of the pins are kind of like a little breadboard uh, four row connects. And I think there's like 13 rows of four. You can always cut the you know, pads if you want to have them separated, but chances are you want to make uh, multiple connections to each row. It's not a huge prototyping area, but it's designed to be you know, skinny and fit underneath your Pico or Pico W for, for quick uh, prototyping. And it's like only a couple bucks. So, you know, you get it. I recommend, again, the stacking headers. Um, I think those are the kind of the most uh, fun to play with because you can plug into a breadboard. But if you want 
to not have a breadboard involved, you know, you plug this in and it, it fits underneath compactly. Or if you want like a super skinny, like, you know, barely any space, but it's the most compact sandwich, uh, the super skinny um, socket headers work as well. There's no such thing as skinny stacking headers, unfortunately. This is, these are the three options that we've got. But this is, you know, and it has got a nice silk screen with Penguin. Oh, and uh, one, one last thing. So the I squared C also has a breakout here. These four pins are the I squared C JST breakout. So clock data, three volt and ground. And that's for, in case you don't want to use IO four and five, you can connect to the I squared C power and data and connect them to other pins. You actually don't even have to use it for I squared C. You could use it for just GPIO. Like there's no pull-ups. So even though it's designed for I squared C usage, you don't have to do that. So this is our first cowbell. I got a fever and the only prescription it's more cowbell. <laughs> All right, and that's new products for the week. Okay. okay. Don't forget the code is Proto for Pico, and uh, we're gonna do some top secrets. So go put your questions on adafruit.it slash discord or discord.gg slash adafruit. Let's do some top secret while folks are loading up some questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. All right. Somebody just said, oh, Paul just said that uh, DigiKey just put a bunch of Pico W's in stock, so you should go get them and then get yes, one. Yes, we we'll also have to get, yeah. get them to DigiKey, of course. Uh, and they'll also, I'm sure, have yeah. this... Uh, Pico Proto um, breakout board, right. but we will we'll also have them in. All right, this week's top secret, all aboard. Doo -doo. It's a Stemma. It is a Stemma. This is actually a classic Stemma, not the I squared C style, but that's okay. Um, so I'm, I'm just, uh, these are actually quite popular. People really like these little solderless, uh, you know, you can use alligator clips to connect to a little board that just does one task. Um, so this is a little MOSFET driver. It's got a, uh, four amp power transistor and channel um a uh shot key diode for um flyback control capacitor uh power led and indicator led and this uh, you know it's for like fans or simple unidirectional motor uh solenoid control because it's like you know it's not hard it's like it's people are always like oh, why can't i just plug the motor directly into the pins it's like no you need to have a power tra you know uh transistor to do it um so just making it easier to connect, you know, fans or solenoids or motors or other, you know, maybe powerful LEDs uh, where you want to um, have a PWM input and just have the, all the transistor logic in the pull downs. So this is, uh, you know, I'll just uh, touch this to three volts and then this goes off. And there's a little indicator to tell you that it got the signal. So it's a little simple board. It's gonna be like very inexpensive, but very useful for uh, people who want to have a solderless uh, power transistor circuit. That's top secret. Okay, we're gonna go off to questions right away. We'll get you out here. Okay, first up, not a question, just nice compliments. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Uh, great board design is always Adafruit. I like how all the grounds have white silk screen around them for the. Uh, oh yeah. yeah so. No, I think I you know uh, Phil B helped I think with the silk screen for that, and then the Penguin uh, silk screen generator of course did uh, a lot of the magic. How many Stemma modules do you think could be Daisy Choo Choo trained back to back before the voltage drops 
Voltage drop becomes an issue. You know, we actually had some in the forums who had 10 Stemma I squared C centers connected, chained together. And it actually isn't the voltage drop that's the issue. It's the capacitance on the I squared C lines because it started to get to like a meter or two. Um, that's where I would actually would get our um, QT hub because that way it's a star pattern rather than a chain. Um, and that'll help a lot if you want to connect a lot of boards together. Okay. The uh Feature requests for maybe a future proto board, dot uh, twenty three QFN, etc. Options. Can we do we do have um, SOT twenty three and QFN breakout boards, not not with chips already on them, but we do in the store. I made a whole bunch of them because I was very tired of spending like thirty bucks a piece for um, censored boards um, that were the prototype boards that were available at the time. Um, they were very nicely designed, but they were really expensive. I wanted like ones that were only like a, a buck or two a piece. Okay, in the chat, the record for uh, one of the community members, uh, I squared C sensors is 24 linked together. You can do it as long as you have strong enough be, I squared C drive. There should be some type of electronic online Olympics. Oh yeah. Where you have like number of sensors you can. No, they have like together. the Wi-Fi distance shootout they have at DEF CON, yeah. right? But it's like I squared C shootout. I feel like that's one where everyone could participate too because it's just like, it's kind of wholesome. Yeah. And um, we don't have to drug test anyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone could cheat. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, be curious. Uh, uh, 10 is a good number. Doubt I ever chain that many, but good to know. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Um, also the I squared C reproducer. Board. I don't think that's a question. Can you multi-stack on the proto boards? You can multi-stack all you want, but you're, you know, it, you'll just have to keep stacking. And of course, the I squared C are all connected. Yeah, you can stack this. I mean, it doesn't have any active electronics on it. It just has the reset button. That's why I didn't want to add pull-ups or anything. Didn't want to, like, have any active components. But I was like, and I was going to originally do the, the proto board without the reset button and the STEM IQT connector. But I was like, man, I feel like those are such, like, the minimum now for people's projects that I just like was like okay let's add them on okay and then uh, someone asked if we saw the JWST Pillars of Creation photos that dropped today new album from the Cosmos um, did you yeah uh, we're gonna be posting them up on our site they look pretty good because they also did a before well not before but Hubble Hubble uh, optic no <laughs> and then Hubble did the best good and then um, the the latest in infrared is the Hubble still running yeah they're still getting data from it yeah so cool yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think when uh, I think it was a dark mission, I think Hubble looked at the asteroid that we wanted to hit, and then also yeah. JWST did as well. Cool. Okay. Uh, and I think that is it. Let me go check over here. Yes. Those are our questions right. for tonight. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, that's our show for this evening. Special thanks to Zay behind the scenes, who's helping out in the Adafruit Slack and answering customers and more. And uh, thank you to everybody for joining us tonight. You have a lot of choices on how you can send, spend your Wednesday evenings. Um, I hope you had a good time. We very much like your presence here and all the good thoughts and the sharing and helping one another and making cool things together. So thanks for joining us this evening. Don't forget the code is Proto for Pico. That is our show this we, evening. And we put, I made sure we had cowbells in stock so you can go and get them. Every time you say cowbell, you, oh, yeah. you, cowbell, you gotta make cowbell sounds. Where's, okay. where's the walker? Well, the Christopher yeah. Walken. Hey. Why aren't you purchasing something? Okay, okay. Um, it's been a native fruit production. This is your moment of Zener.
Thank you.